Uh, welcome to the first episode of the Stars Rundown. I'm joined by my co-host and brother Austin and the tickets Bruce Levine. Really appreciate you coming on. Uh, how you doing, Bruce? Uh, doing good. Didn't know I was gonna have a brother combination to deal with here. So hope you hope you guys are nice to me. Yeah, we will definitely uh, be nice. Uh, I'm gonna throw out a couple of topics. Uh, Bruce, you can answer first, and then uh, we'll give our opinions on it. Uh, the first thing I have for you is. What has been your what player has been your pleasant surprise so far through this season? You know, really, it's been Wyatt Johnston, the 19 year old who made the jump from junior hockey straight to the Dallas Stars. He's the first guy that was junior eligible to play for the Dallas Stars going straight from juniors. We had another year left. Uh, he's been fantastic. You look at, at, at Wyatt Johnson, he's really made Jamie Benn a better player this year because the way he hangs on to the puck and feeds Jamie Benn, and then you throw Ty Delandra on the line to do sort of the, the sandpaper work that Jamie Benn used to have to do. I think Wyatt Johnston, as a 19-year-old, sort of an unknown, has really stepped his game up. Yeah, I mean, you could say Jamie Benn stepping his game and playing the way he has has been a bit of a surprise, but, but who saw Wyatt Johnson doing what he's done? It's amazing. I guess to piggyback on that, uh, continuing kind of on this uh, youth topic, uh, why, why do you think – or, or t- tell us a little bit more about the, the, the Longquist scratches and maybe why uh, coaches are, are wanting to give him some games off and, and if there's any other reasons that they feel as though, you know, they don't want to play in every game. It's just that you look at Niels Lundqvist, he only played 25 NHL games last year. And when they saw him getting a little bit tired, a little bit fatigued, making some mental mistakes, they wanted to reset. It is very difficult to jump in. You know, Pete DeBoer said, unless your name is McCarr or Haskinen, show me somebody that steps into the NHL in their first season and really makes an impact immediately. You have to learn how to be an NHL defenseman. They like Niels Lundqvist's progress, but they're also aware of the fact that Last year was his first year in North America, and he played 25 games for the Rangers and then spent the rest of the year in the AHL. They want to make sure that he's learning and that he doesn't develop bad habits or fatigue the rest of the way. They, they expect big things out of Mills Lundquist. So it's really a situation where, as a young player, he gets a reset a little more often because, let's face it, if you're a forward and you make a mistake in the offensive zone, you've got defensemen and the goaltender to bail you out. If you're a defenseman and you make a mistake in the defensive zone, it's much more noticeable and much more hard harder for the team to recover from. So I think Lundquist is just sort of facing the, the growing pains. But he's handled it well. He's had a great attitude. And I think the Stars are very happy with his performance and his his mental progress as long as his physical progress. And continuing on the D-line topic, do, do you feel like that's an area uh, where they actually want to explore at the trade deadline, or do you feel like they're good? There's a couple of right-handed yeah. guys. I was wondering if it's possible that they could be uh, interested in a John Klingberg reunion. I don't know if the salary cap is going to be a problem with that. Uh, but him and uh, Carlson would be intriguing but expensive uh, topics. Well, neither one can fit under the salary cap right now. It's just not going to happen. Uh, Klingberg's making $7 million this year. Carlson's around $10 million. The Stars will be lucky if they have $2.5 million in cap space when we get to the trade deadline. So you'd really have to pull, you know, several, you know, and bring some other teams in to be a third party to eat some of the salary cap. And I can't see the stars doing that because the other problem is not that Eric Carl, you wouldn't love to have Eric Carlson on your team, but if you bring him on, he's got a few years left and 10 million pretty much blows up your salary cap going forward. Uh, I think the stars might consider it, but I think they're also very happy 
to know that they've got some guys down in Cedar Park and Thomas Harley that and you know that might be able you know uh, a Will Butcher uh, the Alex Petrovic that if they had an emergency might be able to come up and fill the void without having to do salary cap gymnastics. I think if the Stars are going to make a trade at the deadline, it's really going to be more for adding a forward, adding somebody that can go with Tyler Sagan and complete that that third line that Stiles has been looking for all year. Yeah, so we talked about pleasant surprise. Uh, is there a player that comes to mind that you think has underperformed this year that you expected more out of? Expecting more or hoping for more? Uh, Dennis Gurionov, we really, every year, you hope that the first round pick puts it together and plays like he did in, in the 19, uh, in the 19, no, I'm sorry, the 2019 2020 season before he got shut down for COVID when he was a 20 goal scorer. He was a threat every time he stepped on the ice. And ever since he came back to, to from the bubble, he just has not been there. And you were hoping with Pete DeBoer and having a new system and a new, a new basically lease on life with a new coaching staff, you were hoping that Gurionov would find some of that swagger, some of that offensive power, some of that confidence that when he stepped on the ice, he knew he was a threat. And we just haven't seen it. Two goals so far this year. You know, the star, he's missed some games with personal reasons and scratches, but the stars are 52 games in and Gurionov has two goals. That was not what you wanted to see. And I think disappointing wise, is it unexpected considering his trend to play the last two years? Probably not. Were you hoping for a whole lot more with the new upbeat offense and the up-tempo offense? Absolutely. And we haven't seen it. Yeah, I guess continuing on Gurionov, it is kind of a weird situation in the sense that I thought, you know, he does show his flashes every now and then. Last game, I actually thought was one of his better games of the year. Seemed uh, he was on uh, the ice for uh, both of the the uh, regular time goals. But you wonder, you know, with as fast as he is and, um, you know, his potential, do you think that's something they look to move away from him at the deadline? Or do you think they're just going to allow him to finish out the year with the Stars and uh, let him go into free agency next year? Well, you have to see what's available at the deadline and what you want. Is it an upgrade? Is it something that can help the stars more than Gurionov can? That's something you have to look along with the salary cap. Uh, you know, if the deal came, I think they would. And you don't want to give up on a first-round pick. You really don't. But, you know, he's 25 years old. At what point in time do you start going, you know what? You know, we've been trying to get him to step up, trying for him to play at that level. You know, Rope Hintz was the same draft as Dennis Gurionov. Rope Hintz was taken in the second round. Look at the trajectory of Rope Hintz and look at the trajectory of Dennis Gurionov. And at some point in time, you got to go, okay, you know, we did everything we could. It's time to move on to the next. And that may be where the stars are at. I really think the think it'll be after the season. But if the right deal comes along, I would not rule out, you know, trading Gurionov to get extra cap space and see what you can fit in there. Yeah, I got a couple of questions about Jake Ottinger. Uh, I was listening to uh, NHL Network earlier, and I forget who said it, but somebody said that he would rank Ottinger the second best goalie in the league. Uh, where would you have him? And also, are we worried that, uh, you know, he's going to reach his highest games played this year. Do you think that he could possibly get burnout before the playoffs with all the playing time? Well, who, who did they pick better than Ottinger? Uh, it was Omar? Vasilevsky. Vasilevsky? Uh, I know there's a lot of people in Boston that will probably want to make an argument on that, the way their goaltending is going on right now. I, I don't think that Ottinger's top two. I certainly think he's top five. Uh, you know, and, and that could be changing. That could be rising. You know, the weird thing is Jake Ottinger's numbers away from the AAC are better than his numbers here. And that's that's sort of 
strange to think about, especially if the Stars get home ice advantage during the Stanley Cup playoffs. You know, you, you worry about Ottinger a little bit, but he's in constant communication with Jeff Reese, uh, the, the goaltending coach, and Pete DeBoer and the training staff. And by every account, it's he's fine. He's, he's, he loves playing net. He's in good shape. He feels great. He's not feeling the wear and tear. So, you know, and, and certainly his performance, you can't look at a performance on the ice and go, boy, he looks slower. He looks a step out of it. So I, I think Jake Ottinger is going to be the guy. I expect Wedgwood to get a little more playing time in, uh, as we head toward the down, the, the home stretch here. But if Jake Ottinger says he feels good and the goaltending coach agrees and the head coach agrees and the training staff says, yeah, let the kid go. It's hard to argue with not putting him out there as often as he wants to be out there. Uh, continuing on goaltending, actually, what are your uh, thoughts and opinions on their third goalie, Hadobin, who's down in the minors this year? I've heard a lot of potential rumors about him getting moved, but uh, teams are a little bit worried about eating all of his salary. Is that something that it, it could potentially be a move at the deadline, or do you think it's probably just too much logistics to actually work out? it's a possibility. I mean, even, even if the stars have to eat some salary, you have to figure out, well, how much do they have to eat? And is it worth moving them? And what's the, 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 the trade piece in return? What are you getting in return for Hadobin? But honestly, I don't think Hadobin's on the top of anyone's list. You look at teams that are rebuilding, you know, if I'm going all in for a Stanley cup, I probably try to see if Anaheim will part with John Gibson. You know, you look for somebody that's in the NHL and successful right now for, you know, as Hadobin has played well in the AHL, but he hasn't played in the NHL this year. I think that people will more likely look for somebody who's already in the NHL, sort of like the Stars did last year with Scott Wedgwood. You would rather make that move for somebody that you've seen play at this level and perform well at this level than go, well, you know, a couple of years ago, Hadobin was fantastic. Let's roll the dice. You know, GMs don't want to roll the dice at this point. It's going to be. It's going to have to be quite a deal for Hadobin to get moved on both accounts. Yeah, is there is there a player on this team uh, that's a little more quiet, doesn't get talked about, that you think deserves more credit, especially for this year in particular? I mean, it's hard to say. You know, is Joe Pavelski having a quiet year? I mean, we don't hear everybody raving at Joe Babelski, but he's second in the NHL and plus minus. So yeah, that was my exact tweet yesterday. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, you don't hear people talking about, "Wow, look at all the goal scoring Pavelski's doing," but he's playing great. He's having a great year. His line's great. But you hear so much about Jason Robertson and and Rolf Hans. Is Pavelski playing under the radar? I don't know if that's a a term we can use here, but uh, you're not hearing. I would say national focus on Pavelski right now. Uh, you're not hearing it. There's a lot of, uh, of Robo and Haskin and, and Ottinger, but I think Joe Pavelski is, you know, for his age and what he brings to the team and what the stars are paying for him. That, that's a, that's a, you know, blue light special you're getting uh, on Pavelski every single night out. You know, Jamie Ben's getting a lot of publicity because of the way he's raised his game this year. Pavelski's just being steady and playing well. And I'm not sure if you would say he's, he's not getting enough attention, but in my mind, you can't say enough about what he's brought to the team on the ice and in the locker room. Where do they stand on Marchment uh, right now? He's obviously going through a really tough stretch. Uh, can't really get anything going offensively. Uh, part of me thinks, you know, I, I wonder what would happen if they move Sagan on the same line as Ben and Johnson. Uh, but right now Marchment's just not getting enough production for what he's getting paid. And, I don't know if that's a, uh, you know, what, what, why do you think that is going on right now? I think right now he's just in a slump. 
And the longer you get in the slump, the harder it is to come out of it because you're trying so hard. The other night, you know, against Anaheim, beautiful setup from Sagan. He goes to the backhand and Gibson robs him. It's tough. When you get in a slump, you think about it. It grinds on you. It's, it's, it eats at you. So the Stars really need Marchment to come out of the slump. I don't think you can move Sagan with Ben because they like the chemistry and the speed that Ty DeLandria brings to that line and the grit. And, you know, by Ty DeLandria going out and being the sandpaper and being the, for lack of a better term, the jerk on that line, it allows Jamie Ben to be the scorer, the finisher, the guy that goes to the net and not have to be that physical force on the line. Because you have DeLandria doing the dirty work. I think really the, 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 the solution is we just talked about the trade deadline. Find someone who could play on that line and complete Ben, excuse me, complete Sagan, Marchment, and X. Maybe it's Radic Fox who's going to play center again tonight for the Stars against uh, Minnesota. He's going to play center. Maybe it's Fox he can step up, but I really think in the long run, you've got to find that winger that creates the gaps and the speed that you need. Sort of like what, what Wyatt Johnson brings to Jamie Ben. You need someone to bring that to Sagan and Marchman because Marchman can be the sandpaper guy on the line. I know it's really bugging him not to be scoring. Hopefully he snaps out of it. Yeah, from what you've seen uh, this season, is there a particular reason why you feel like the Stars are struggling in overtime? I know Robertson and Pavelski are not the fastest skaters and they're out there often and at least the two-on-ones, but what have you seen that, uh, it leads to all these OT losses. Uh, I, I, what I see is some lack of structure, that the stars get caught up, that the stars get caught up ice. They, they go for it and then they get caught and then they can't get back. It's, you know, you look at, you know, the stars against Buffalo, they got caught out and they got tired. And, you know, it was a great play to Owen power against, you know, against Carolina. It's a break the other way against New Jersey. Guy gets caught up, you know, Jack Hughes takes a shot. Sagan tries to block it, hits the stick and goes in. It's really, it's a combination of things. It's getting caught out for long periods of time. It's, it's getting caught up ice. Honestly, though, I don't worry about it. It's yes. You'd like to have the points, but at the end of the day, when you get to the games that really matter, there is no three on three in the Stanley cup playoffs. So, you know, you'd like to get better when a few more games if possible the rest of the way, you know, but if you, do not improve tremendously three on three. It's not going to kill you. And the one good thing now is with the stars having some home games, some practice time, this is one of the things they can work on and hopefully get better. What do you stand on Suter? Obviously you, you get a lot of fans that are just really hating on him. And I think the the general consensus of, of fans is they don't like how he's playing. think he's a little slow. think he's not producing enough, but uh, listen to coach speak the other day and he completely said he didn't understand the hate that Suter was doing exactly what he was supposed to do. And he was a reliable defenseman who's second on a uh, time of ice per game. So what, what are your thoughts on his play this year? I don't get the, the hate, the online hate for, for Ryan Suter. First of all, he's a fourth or a fifth defenseman. I mean, it, I mean, you're wasting a whole lot of, of time and energy on a guy that's, that's literally, you know, on, on most, Starting rotations, he's the fifth guy. He plays solid defense. He's playing with Lundqvist. So, of course, he's going to have to play a little more defensively because of the fact that Lundqvist does make some some rookie errors in the defensive zone. So, Suda's got to be more of a defensive guy. But if you also look at at the end of games, when the Stars shorten their defensive bench, Suda plays with Miro. You've got Hockenpah and Lindell, who are shutdown pairing. And the other pairing is Suter and Miro. 
Who else are you going to put out there? You look at Ryan Suter. He makes plays that don't show up in the analytics and don't show up on the score sheets that shut down offensive attacks, that shut down plays in center ice before they become odd man rushes or, or quality chances in the other end. He's making $3.6 million, which is, is nothing compared to what other defensemen are making out there. He's, you, know, you look at it, he's the star's third highest paid defenseman. I, I don't get why people are so upset. And, you know, yes, he's 38. He's not as fast as he used to be. But you talk to the coaching staff, you talk to the players, he does what they want him to do. And with the new up-tempo offense, he's not as protected in the defensive zone as he was last year. And he's still, you know, as far as Pete DeBoer and Alain Nazarene are concerned, a top option at the end of games to help shut things down and get the Stars a win. I don't understand why so many people have so much angst over a number five defenseman or a number four defense when we get to the end of the games. Yeah, this is my last question for you, and then I'll let Austin finish off what he wants to ask. Um, so if you had to predict right now, what seed do you think the Stars will get? Do you think they will stay uh, first in the Central? And then also, what team scares you in that first round the most? Okay, well, I do think the Stars, barring injury or a complete swan dive, which I don't see coming, uh, I see the Stars winning the Central. Uh, you know, I, I do think that they have, you know, a favorable schedule right now. They've got a team that feels good, is confident. I can see them winning the Central. The team that scares me, and this is not going to shock anyone, Colorado. This is a Stanley Cup champion that the first half of the year had their Stanley Cup hangover. They had injuries. They had a lot of things to overcome, and they are sitting in third place right now in the division. Well, they're tied with Minnesota for third place, but I this just kills me the way the playoff format set up Colorado and Dallas could face each other in round two of the playoffs. And that is going to be another Herculean battle, but I don't think that defending Stanley cup champions are going to go easily or go quietly. So if you look at a matchup that just from the central division point of view, uh, I do not want to play Colorado in the first round. Not that I don't think the stars can beat them. I just think it'll be a great series. And if you are the number one seed in the West, you should have an easier matchup than the defending Stanley Cup champions. We'll see how it plays out. But Colorado is a team that over the last two months of the season is going to garner a lot of attention and for all the right reasons. Yeah, and then I kind of have one final question. It's kind of a two-part question. Uh, what were your thoughts and takeaways from uh, Monday night? Uh, and then I would love to hear a good pregame prediction for the final score tonight. Okay, Monday. my takeaway Monday night was Dallas should have put that game away early. Uh, I thought John Gibson played excellently, but when you have a two nothing lead and a five on three for two minutes, that's a game you got to put away. That's a game that if you really, if, if all goes well, according to plan, you score on the five on three, and then you have another minute to score on the five on four, make the third period easy. Uh, Dallas did not put away things, but also the first game back from a long break is always weird for everyone. Crazy things happen. You know, Minnesota went into, into uh, Tempe and lost to the Arizona Coyotes leading into going into the third period. Strange things happen when you have a long break and you play that first game back. So, you know, you never apologize for a win. You never do at this point in time. The Stars got two points. They gained ground on Minnesota. They gained ground on Colorado. And it was their game in hand, so they gained ground on Winnipeg. You don't make excuses. I expect to see a much crisper, cleaner game tonight than what we saw on Monday. This is going to be interesting. The second part of your question is, this is going to be interesting tonight. 
because Minnesota should have a certain amount of anger and desperation. Minnesota did not play well in Arizona. They've lost four of their last six. They're 10 points behind Dallas coming into this one. And if they do not have a good outcome, they can fall behind Colorado for third place. And then all of a sudden you're scraping for that wild card spot. I expect this to be a tougher game. I expect this to be a very close game. I'm going to go with the Dallas Stars winning four to three tonight. I just see the Dallas Stars. I don't see it being another, we've had what, four straight, three, two overtime or shootout games. Uh, I see this game being a four, three. Three's not going to get it done. You got to get to four or five to win this one tonight. Now, will that be regular time? Or will we be back to overtime again? I hope it's regular time. I, I, we've had four straight OT games. And as you mentioned, Dallas is not great three on three. I would prefer this to be settled in 60 minutes and everyone go home happy. All right, final thing for you, Bruce. Uh, does Robertson pass Madonna? Yes. Uh, I said this, I wrote about this, I think, in October. I do expect Robertson to pass Madonna. I expect him to get more than 50, and I expect him to get 100 points this year. But, and this is a big but, please don't make it sound like Robertson is sending Mike Madonna to the trash bin of history here. You know, Mike Madonna scored... 50 goals and 93 points when it was still legal to cross check someone in front of the net. And you look, I'm not saying that it's that what Robertson's doing is not fantastic, but back then, I mean, I can remember Mike Madano. I don't know if you guys are old enough. Remember Mike Madano got knocked unconscious and a game got stretchered off and then he fell off the stretcher. And a week later he's playing again. I mean, it was a much different world and it was much tougher to score 50 goals you know, with the, with the way that you could grab, hold, cross-check, slash. It was a different game back then. You know, look at what Scott Stevens used to do to guys coming across the blue line. Headshots were legal back then. So I think Robertson's great. I think he's fantastic. I think he's going to rewrite the Stars record book. But it really, I hate it when people start saying, well, Mike Madonna is going to be put on the back page. Mike Madonna will never be put on the back page for what he did for the Stars when he did it. It's just time that Robo takes the record to a new level. But it's just like if Ovechkin passes Gretzky in three years, are we really going to say, well, Wayne Gretzky wasn't that great a goal scorer, that Ovechkin left him in the rearview mirror? No. It's just another player, another time coming up and setting a new record that we should all be happy for. All right. Well, we really appreciate you coming on, Bruce. Uh, we can do this again sometime when the Stars uh, win the whole thing this year. All right. Thank you, King Brothers. I hope you guys uh, have a great podcast and a great rest of the day. Thank you.